0: You are listening to a podcast from the Star King Unitarian Universalist Church in Hayward, California. Our settled minister is the Reverend Dr. Maria Christina Blasidis burgoa I'm going to do a quote for you and see if you can guess the author. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. The great big hug, and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me, too? Barney, big, fat, purple dinosaur. What an incredible message Barney gives the little ones. A message of trust, love, connection. Barney's telling these kids, you belong to a family. I thought, what incredible. a message from a very big purple dinosaur but it was listened to when I used to do a preschool the song that back then what song do you guys want to sing the Barney song <laughs> so today we're going to continue and we're going to finish up with family ministry so within this breathing thriving evolving entity is a living organism the family The concept of family can be very abstract. In fact, for every person here, there's a definition of family. By the way, has anybody include their pets in their family? I, for one, I believe pets are part of your family. I know this because I uh, attend a pet grief group. The grief is real. I see no differences between grieving a loss of a pet and a loss of a a family member, a human family member. It's authentic, and it's real, and it's intense. So defining family is challenging, but what we all have in common with all these different families we are part of, what we have in common are roles, rules, and responsibilities and these roles, rules and responsibilities create a system a family system and within this family system in real time is where family ministry is developed and carried out. Family spirituality naturally thrives and grows in a safe holding environment in a caring nurturing setting There's a woman named Virginia Satir. And she was a therapist, family therapist. I believe she passed away in the 90s. And she was unique in her family therapy. She joined the system. And her approach was validation, love, respect. In fact, some of her uh, treatment were hugs. (laughs) Hug it out. So this is what Virginia says. I am convinced that there are no genes to carry the feeling of worth. It is learned. Feeling of worth can only flourish in an atmosphere where individual differences are appreciated, mistakes are tolerated, communication is open, and rules are flexible. The kind of atmosphere that is loving and nurturing. I I like to think family ministry is like a plant placed in dirt. The plant naturally grows. You don't say grow! It grows. I know this because I have seen it. I have felt it. I have joined it. I was a home visitor for Head Start and and, uh, Easter Seals. For Head Start I was a family therapist and I went into their homes and did therapy for easter seals i was an early interventionist i went home visits and visited the families who recently had babies that were diagnosed with disabilities i went in these homes and i joined their system i became part of their dirt these families i visited endured the enormous amount of pressure and life challenges I've witnessed the deepest love and devotion in these families. I witnessed love and devotion in families with mental health issues. Love and devotion with families who have babies with disabilities more than one, multiple disabilities. And some of these disabilities were life-threatening. Situations that appeared to be unbearable, but yet in these homes, family ministry happens I've seen the the environment at its best and it's at its worst I'm going to share one home visit with you it's a little heavy but it's worth listening to I was visiting a uh, child named David about two and a half going on three and David was blind he was deaf he could not breathe on his own so he had a breathing apparatus Mm -hmm. david could not eat on his own so he had a feeding tube david had low muscle tone so low that he could not move where you placed him is where he stayed david also was very cognitively delayed they have what you say uh, water on the brain so he had very severe disabilities in terms of being cognitive And when I would go visit him, what I would do, wherever his hand was, I would place his fingers in a bowl of marbles or beads. And if he happened to have twitched, he could get a sensory experience. And during these home visits, his father would come home. And I think his father was trained to be a police officer. And he would scoop David up and swing him around like an airplane and smother him with kisses. And I would look at David's face And a little, tiny, teeny smile emerged. And for David, that was pretty incredible. There was one home visit. I was with David. And I was doing itsy-bitsy spider, having the spider crawl up his tummy. And I looked in that dining room. And there was his mother decorating. She was decorating for a birthday party. A banner from one end of the wall to the other. Colorful, happy birthday. Balloons all over the place streamers a tablecloth saying happy birthday a sheet cake in the middle with frosting and all that good stuff chairs were decorated horns by the paper plates one of those and they come back in hats more chairs than just the family so they were expecting grandparents so I looked at the mother I said oh is it your daughter's birthday She goes, no, it's David's. I looked at her, and I thought, she's celebrating a birthday for a child who cannot see the banner. Could not see the balloons. Could not hear the whistle. Could not blow the whistle. Could not sit in the chairs. But yet, this family devoted and loved David to the deepest I've ever seen they celebrate his existence in this family a child you could easily put on a pillow and kinda push to the side he was not that kinda child he was in the family now that's family ministry in action like I said I've seen the environment for the best and in its worst one more home visit not quite so heavy My client, she was two and a half, going on three, cognitive delays. She had a feeding disorder, had a hard time eating. She would gag on the food, spit it up, was not gaining weight, failure to thrive. So I went to the home visit one day and the mother looked upset, so I asked her what was going on. She goes, oh, we had a feeding therapy session last night for dinner. I said, well, how'd that go? By the way, this family's from Afghanistan. The therapist was not. Therapist was a person non-color. Came into this house and decided how this family was going to eat. This family had to sit around a table. Each had their own separate setting, a fork and a knife and a cup. Each had their own individual servings of of, uh, dinner and the therapist said, you know, the children need to eat on their own. The little girl, my client, was gagging and crying and uh, uh, spitting up. But the father left the table. The little girl, the sister, was, un- was unhappy. It was a disaster. So I thought for a minute. I asked this mother, I so, said, so how do you do your meals? She goes, I'll show you. It's lunchtime. Come and join me. She picked up pillows, she laid them in a circle on the floor, had community dishes in the middle, invited us all to sit down. The mother began to feed her children from the community boards. Held my client in her arms, rocked her, and fed her like a little bird, tiny bits of food. But this client of mine, this little girl, chewed and swallowed. No gagging, no tears. Now, again, that is family ministry in action. These home visits happened over 12 years ago for me, and they're still right there in front. I will never forget those home visits. So that's where it all happens in your natural environment. When you do family ministry, you don't have to recreate the wheel. talk a little bit about healthy families don't suck in the air and make a face when I say healthy families (laughs) oh no she's talking about healthy families oh no she knows about us I'm gonna tell you a secret healthy families are not and I will repeat are not problem-free healthy families have their share of problems conflicts relationship issues financial problems stress. But the difference with families who are healthy is that they evolve and grow out of crises. Once you visualize a mobile that's hanging very still and very balanced, a crisis enters the family. Boy, that mobile starts turning and they're blocking in each other and the strings are all tangling up. It's a crisis. It's a mess. Chaos. A solution is introduced the mobile starts to settle down, untangle the strings, family members rearrange, and what you now have is a balanced mobile again. Families are not as healthy sometimes stay in that chaos much longer than they need to be. That might be their baseline. They might decrease a little bit, but uh, they're, in, they're in crises for a lot of the time. So once again, let your environment do the work for you when you do family ministry. It's your dirt. Your environment is your dirt. It's your foundation. It's your foundation to build a family credo, a spiritual mission statement, an oath, uh, promises, uh, points of, uh, to point you in the right direction. So today, I'm going to ask you at the minimum, just start thinking about a family credo. And you can start off by asking, hmm, what do I want for my children? And these could be children who have grown and moved out and had their children. So it's a little bit of a call out. What do you guys want for your children? Call out, please. Peace. Peace. Happiness. Happiness. Health. Safety. Health. Safety. Sharing, hope, Hope. love. Surprisingly, what you said is universal. There's a mother in Mexico saying the same thing. There's a grandfather in Russia saying the same thing. A father in Japan saying the same thing. It's universal. What you want for your children is universal. I ran a uh, conversation group, English as a Second Language. And I asked that question just so we could practice our English and, and these were mostly, uh, no it was uh, men and women. I had uh, gentlemen from Japan, there were people from Egypt, Vietnam, China, Mexico, El Salvador. And I asked that question and they all said the same thing. I'm thinking, if you can ask about what do I want for my children, you can also ask in your family, what do I want for my spouse, for my companion, for my partner, for other parental guides in my family, what do I want from them? These are kind of the same questions you ask when you develop your own theology. I don't know if you've all taken that theology class here, that workshop. It's the same questions. But expand it to your family. I asked, what do I want from my church children? Hmm. What I want from them is to experience as congregational family. Now Look at all the potential grandparents we have in the audience. Aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents. Circle time, beginning this year, uh, we were working on, I think, the principle one, two, three, I think it was one. Respecting ourselves and other people. And in this, our circle time I had, I had two little ones and two big ones. I thought, oh, you know, for the little ones, I had we'll do a game to kind of help understand respecting one another. I had a big, long tube and a ball. The little ones were to roll the ball back and forth through the tube to one another. In my mind, oh, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, respect. Also, they had to cooperate, because you have to tilt that tube for the ball to reach your partner. So I offered up this game. And the little ones went, whoa, Lori. <laughs> A little overwhelming. The two older ones jumped up and said, hey, we'll show you how to do it. The two older kids grabbed that tube and the ball, and they demonstrated and role model for the two little ones how to play the game. In fact, they called up the little ones, and they cooperated. They played with these two older ones. That's family ministry. We had a ceramic project. Uh, Two older kids were doing, uh, they were making cats. And I was listening to them. And they were helping one another, how are they going to make their cats out of ceramics? Oh, you made your ear this way. Oh, I made my tail that way. Oh, I hate my eyes on the cat. Oh, I like your eyes. How'd you do it? I watch them support one another and help build their ceramic cats. That's family ministry. I had a guest come in uh, with a little girl. One of the older boys, uh, as an older boy there, he got up and offered his seat to the little girl. Then he went and got a chair for the mother. Family ministry. So, when you think about a family credo, my recommendations for you is to create it for real time. As life unfolds, so does your credo. We you have to be real about this. Much like what Glenn says, and he happens to be right there. It's like real life improv. You gotta think on your feet. Family evolves and so does your credo. You need to keep it current. Keep reality in check. Life can be problematic. Work, health, conflicts, the stuff that shakes up that mobile. Do your best. As Reverend Maria Costina said, embrace your mistakes. How many of you guys know how many times after I do the service I go back to worship associate committee meeting and went, oh, pfft. I'm not gonna try that again. <laughs> or I'm gonna try it this way next time. Embrace those mistakes. Developing a family credo is also kind of begins with understanding your own personal. Experiences in life. This is another question we ask ourselves in that theology class. Ask yourself, uh, for instance, think about some experiences that may have shaped your religious or spiritual path. I, for one, come up with the uh, spiritual path of my two home visits I talked about. My mother dying changed my spiritual path going to the Hayward shoreline several times, some by myself, some with friends. I watch the full moon set, the rising sun, all in the same sky. That changes my spiritual path. Another example you can ask yourself when you're kind of thinking about, oh, family credo, is think about the three or four people in your life that have the greatest impact on you. There was one woman I ran across, she was homeless lived on a brick retaining wall down by Lucky's. She had her blankets underneath the bush and clothes and shoes. She had a basket with stuff. And she lived on this retaining wall. So when I walked past her to Lucky's, I would say, hey, I'm going to Lucky's can kind get you something. And sometimes she took me up on it. Sometimes she said, no, I was fine. And one time he struck up a small conversation. And in this conversation, she told me her life was blessed. I don't, I looked and I thought, your life is blessed. You live on a retaining wall. But her life was blessed. So I kept that in mind as I was walking back to my house that I own, a car that I paid for in my driveway, coffee, a refrigerator, kept my food chilled, There also was a, um, I have a lazy boy in front of a, I think it's a 80-inch, my husband bought the TV, 80-inch TV. And she lives a blessed life. Wow. That impacted me. When you do a family credo, you might want to start thinking about maybe asking other appropriate family members in your family some thoughts they might have, or ask them the same questions. Now there's one more thing I wanna bring up about your family credo, and keep in mind, to be an effective parent guide is to take care of yourself. Seriously, you've got to take care of yourself. Don't put yourself in the bottom of the list, you've got to be on top. You are no good to your family unless you're healthy, present. It's okay to be on top. You do it for your family. In fact, I believe you're already doing the family credo and your mission statement. More than you probably think you are doing. Give yourself credit. Now you might become a little bit more mindful and and, uh, intentional with some of your family ministry. But the bottom line, if you got the dirt, you got the family ministry. And your dirt is your loving, caring environment. Everything we do in life, if it feels good, we keep doing it. So I believe in the family spiritual path, if you feel good doing it, you're going to keep doing it. It's got to feel good for you. And this family spiritual path is lifelong and then some. find yourself now putting trinkets of your ancestors on the day of the dead altar and thinking about them how they affected you you are who you are because your ancestors how they impacted you they're going to keep doing that until one day you're the ancestor they'll put your trinkets on there and think about you how you impacted them how you changed their lives This family credo, once you get it going, it's going to go on and on and on. So I want to conclude. Family ministry does not have to be, God, another thing to do. It just happens in the environment. The dirt. Virginia Satir also says this. Individuals have within them the potential for growth and wholeness. Family health is a process of perpetual becoming. It continues to grow in spite of all adversities. So I want you all to live happy. Create that dirt. In no time you'll have family ministry growing all over the place. So go home, be happy, be at peace. Love your family.